Hello, and welcome to the weekly podcast of C2 Church in Columbia, Missouri. church how's everybody doing oh man I'm super excited to be here with you all today to get a chance to share we are continuing our our series on vivid last week pastor Jeremy he he taught on I can see clearly now this week we're going to talk about focus the importance of focus the title of the message is focus for the race turn to your neighbor and say focus for your race focus. You know, the Bible and in, in some of the writers, it, it shows a picture of our life as a race. And what I'm learning is that in order for us to finish strong in our race, in order for us to be diligent and persevere in our race, we need to learn how to focus. There's an interesting story in the Gospels in the New Testament about the disciples Jesus' crew that he was training up. He trained up a crew. And they had come up against a problem that they could not fix, a task that they could not do well in. And by the implications of the story, they should have been able to. So Jesus comes back, and he gets a whiff of the situation, and he has, some cho- he has some words for them. And I'm, I was pretty shocked of what he said. Said, you unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. And what they were needing to do was cast out a demon in this boy, and they weren't able to. But I think it's super interesting that the word perverse there means not focused. Not focused. I think that's so interesting. So Jesus is telling us to focus. So the question is, what do we need to focus on? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) If you have your Bibles or or phones, we're going to take the story of how to learn how to focus in our race in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I tell you, even in election season, just to know that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, it doesn't matter who's in the presidency, we know that we are okay, amen? Amen? Amen. The writer of Hebrews is giving us a picture of athletes in a coliseum, in a stadium, getting ready to 
compete. And he's telling the, his, his audience, the Hebrew people, saying, you lost your focus. What was going on in Hebrews there is they were Hebrews and they were Jews and they followed the Moses law and all the rituals that went along with it. And what was going on because of persecution, they had received Jesus because of persecution, they started drawing back in some of their old ways of doing things. It's something about pain that causes us sometimes to turn away from the thing that actually God is wanting us to go through. But he was encouraging them. He was saying, hey, keep your focus. Keep your focus. One of the analogies that I love about Pastor Jeremy's message last week was the one about the cupboard, the one about the pantry. Say Pastor Jeremy was looking for some peanut butter. I love peanut butter, y'all. You know that? And if you want to get me something, give me some Reese's uh, cup. You know, I really like that. <laughs> I really do. But say he's looking for peanut butter and he can't find it. Like, hey, Darcy, um, where's the peanut butter? It's in the, it's in the cupboard. I don't see it. So she comes up and finds it right there. And it's a picture of how sometimes our presuppositions cause us not to see what's actually there. We predetermine how we think it's going to look, and it actually blinds us from seeing what we really need to see. And what was going on with the, the children of Israel, the, 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 the Christians there in Hebrews, in Jerusalem, is that because of that friction, they started losing their focus, and instead of trusting in Jesus and following him, they started going back to their old ways. There's a theme in Hebrews that talks about there's a better promise. There's a better covenant. There's better hope. Wow, can you think of it? Better hope? There's better hope. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than the angels. He was trying to get their attention. Hey, what's going on? And I think what I'm learning is one of the things that causes us to lose our focus is our paradigms. Our paradigms are our presuppositions that we consciously or unconsciously trust in and believe in to kind of guide our lives. I was in the military, and I, I was a fueler. I filled up aircraft, Humvees, tankers, and after the end of our day, we would go, and we would need to park our vehicles. And a paradigm kind of serves like a, a, a ground guide or a tour guide. We have to, tr I have to, we have to trust because we would run into things and break them if we weren't careful. We had to trust our ground guide to, 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 to guide us in. And that's what our paradigms are. Para means alongside. Just like you have paramedic, a medic that comes alongside you to give you aid, or paraclete. That's a Greek word in the, in the New Testament that talks about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that comes alongside you to help you. So paradigm. Dime means to point to. So we have something alongside us that points us in a direction. It points us. Sometimes we don't even know it. We're just veering over here. 
We go over here, and I don't even know why I did that. We have these habits of the way we think. And the, the writer of Hebrews is trying to jolt him. Hey, man, hey, do, you, do y'all see what's going on here? Because he, he gave the story about how their forefathers in Egypt had got distracted. See, their forefathers in Egypt, they were delivered from the Egyptians. I mean, they were getting treated really bad. But not so long after that, they hit up against some problems, some friction. They came up to a, a, a body of water one time, and it was bitter. Like, man, you led us all out here to give us bitter water? Man, we should we were better in Egypt. So they, were, they would rather be in a place where their backs were being ripped open just because they have a little trouble. And that's what happens to us. I believe God wants us to, to take us to another level to help us to grow. He's given us a task. But sometimes because of that persecution, because of that resistance, we're like, oh, okay, um, okay, I was just kidding. We, we are tempted to go back to our old way. So what do we need to do to be able to focus even when we're tempted to go into old paradigms or old ways of thinking. And there's three things. The first thing we need to do, we need to focus on good examples. Focus on good examples. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, So the writer here has put us, he's given us a picture of athletes that are in this huge coliseum, this huge stadium. He said, consider the witnesses that's come before you. Say, you know, you're at an event and you see Jesse Owens. He's like, hey man, you can do it, LT. Keep going. You got this race, LT. Consider the witnesses. You know, I used to run track. And here's a funny um, kind of thing about me. Or in, anyway, you know, you'll see what I'm saying. <laughs> um, I played football and I ran track. Um, I was probably the second or third fastest uh, person on the football team. But I didn't do too well in football. The reason is because I couldn't catch. I could, but boy, could I run. I remember it in the four by one, this was my favorite event. I would line up and I would envision myself beating, running past the one in front of me. I would wait for the gun. Because you know, you start in a staggered way, and if I can be side by side the one that I'm trying to get to, that means I'm ahead of them. So that was my goal, and that was my focus. So Good examples. Focus on good examples. What the Hebrew writer was trying to say, say, hey, stand on the shoulders of the giants and the heroes that came before you. Because if you stand on their shoulders, you're going to get a better perspective. Sometimes the only thing we need is a better perspective, another vantage point. He's saying, hey, there are some people 
that has gone before you, that, that had some friction, that's had some hard things that came up against them, but you know what? They endured. He said, take, take a look at some of your heroes of faith. Some people like Noah. I love Noah. Noah was told to build a boat. It never rained before, ever. But he had spiritual eyes to see, well, if God said it, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It took him 120 years to build it. But he didn't give up. You know why? Because he had focus. Focus. And the Bible calls Noah the preacher of righteousness. That means, that gives a kind of indication that he, in his lifestyle, went against the culture. I mean, it was so bad that God said, you know, we have to start over. Um, let's start over. Get, get your family, and we're going to start over. It was that bad. And Noah, against all of that opposition, had the courage to stay his race, stay his course. Isn't that awesome? How about Abraham? Abraham, you know, Abraham had deja vu. Deja vu is a French word that means already seen. Because of his obedience to God and his spiritual eyes, his ability to focus, the Bible says that he was able to see Isaac, his son, already resurrecting from the dead. Because God had told him, hey, take your son, your only son, and sacrifice him. You know, it's something about when God promised you something, he gives it to you, and then he says, you know what, I need that back. Y'all ever experienced that? You know what, I need that back. I'm like, what? (laughs) I was just getting used to that. He said, no, no, take your son. I mean, he waited so long for Isaac, so long, and now he's telling me to sacrifice him? But he had so much faith. His spiritual eyes were so clear, so vivid, that the Bible says he saw Isaac being sacrificed and being raised from the dead. That means he trusted in God so much that he said, you know what? If I sacrifice him, God will raise him from the dead. And the promise that he gave me will still succeed. So the first thing we need to do is focus on good examples. We can find mentors, find stories in the Bible that pertains to the type of thing that we're trying to overcome. How did they do it? What can I learn from them? Like mentors, I, I, I like the analogy of understanding a mentor. It's like if you have this whole big shelf of books and you're trying to learn a a certain subject on, let's say it's relationships, you got 30 books there, but you need, you're passionate about learning. Your mentor comes and says, you need that book and that book. Mentors help you get faster, quicker. Sometimes we need to learn something, but we don't got 10 years to learn it. And so these good examples help us to get our focus and learn how to finish our race. The second thing we need to do is focus on freedom. Focus on freedom. Hebrews 12, I believe 2, it talks about lay aside the weight in the things that entangle you. Lay them aside. Again, the writer of of Hebrews, he's saying, 
He's, pick, he's bringing us into the Colosseum again. Can you picture it? And the, the athletes at that time, when they competed, they almost were naked. Isn't that something? They were almost naked because they wanted to compete well. They didn't come in there with their boots. They didn't come in there with their armor. They stripped down. And so for orders, in order for us to really focus for our race, we need to be able to take off things that's hindering us. And it says the weight. So that means not necessarily bad things. What, what, what are some weight that's holding us down? Because we're in a race. We're competing. We have a goal. What's, what's, what's weighing us down? Is there things that's, that's, that's holding us, that's, you know, it's sin. It will take us further than we want to go, cost us more than we want to pay, and keep us longer than we want to stay. He said, you know what, we need to get free. And the weight, the sin that the writer was talking right there, he was talking about unbelief. He was talking about doubt. That doubt was weighing them down. That old paradigm was trying to rise up and come in there and divert their focus. You know, in running track and being in sports, it was football was about to gear up. And some of the guys, you know, we were talking like, you know, we want to get buff, you know, we want to, you know, gain weight and you know, lift weights and stuff like that. And our, my track coach, he was kind of listening in on that. He's like, yeah, I heard you guys saying that you wanted to gain some weight and stuff. So let me give you guys some three-pound weights for your practice. After that practice, we're like, you know what, we good, coach. We good. We good. <laughs> because we have to, if you gain that weight, he's saying, sons, you're going to have to carry it. You're going to have to carry it. There was a naval ship that was built in the 1800s called, I think, Vassal, Vassa, the Swedish uh, nation built it. It was beautiful. It had about 60 cannons. It was just lavishly built and decorated. It went one mile offshore and sunk. Like, oh man, that didn't work out. Focus on freedom. Jesus said, It's for freedom that I set you free, not for bondage. I, I, I set you free so you can be free. So, focus on freedom. The next thing we need to focus on is Jesus. Focus on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So, you know, Hussein Bolt, he's the fastest man ever recorded. He, he holds the, the record in the 100 and the 200. Fast. So imagine him in the Olympics. You know, his fans, his family is cheering him on. Hey, you got it, Bolt. You got it. The crowd of witnesses. It's, it's, he's getting encouragement from it. I'm sure he didn't come in there with his boots. So he's got the lightest, most expensive shoes that you can ever buy. Light shorts on, light tank top. So he's light. He's ready to compete. But although he's getting encouragement from the people and the people in the stands and all this stuff, 
he still gets in a zone and he begins to focus. He starts focusing, focusing on and thinking about the finish line. And I believe he envisions himself coming out ahead. The finish line is what he focuses on. And Jesus Christ is our finish line. Not only is he the finish line, but he carries us, has the grace, the mercy to carry us to the finish line. Because we're not doing this on our, in our own strength, are we? We can't do it. So he carries us. Focus on me, but you know what, son? I'm going to help you get there. We just finished baseball season, and Jesus is like the starting pitcher and the closing pitcher all in one. He can do it all. He pioneers our faith, but he helps us to, the author, he, the author was trying to say, hey, focus on Jesus. You remember Jesus? You remember him? You remember what you believed in, why you chose to, to follow him. In, in the book of Hebrews, there's this theme that says, better promises, a better covenant, a better hope. Jesus was better than Moses. He, they're saying, hey, get your, get your focus back on Jesus. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than the angels. And I'm thinking, you know, in my American eyes, I'm like, well, yeah, he's better than the angels. Yeah, he's better than Moses. But they were so used to the way they did things that they were being tempted to go back into it. And this is what happens to us. What do we need to do when we know God is telling us to move forward? We know God is telling us to, to do this task, to focus on his vision, focus on this goal that he gave in front of us. What, what do we need to do? Let's find some mentors. Let's find a story in the Bible that talks about what we're going through. And just like fans in a stadium, we will receive encouragement. Yes, we will. You know, Jesus is better than Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future. Jesus has come from our future He's in our future waiting on us, encouraging us, saying, hey, you know what? You can do it. Not only is he waiting in our future, but he's in our present. In Hebrews, it says that he, he intercedes, he prays and intercedes on our behalf. What a great high priest we have, constantly praying. Even the priests, Aaron and, and, and all the priests before, they didn't pray for him all the time. Sometime they did, but we had, we have Jesus the high priest to pray for us. He's praying for us and interceding. He's saying, boy, you can make it. The writer was trying to say, you know what, I know it's tough. But if you focus on good examples, the heroes of the faith, if you focus on getting some of that weight off, and if you focus on the man Jesus, there's nothing that's going to stop you from running your race. Nothing. There was a young man, and he had a desire to, to be a runner, to be a marathon runner. And sadly, he got an aneurysm in his, in his head when he was younger. And it caused him 
to be paralyzed on one side. But later in his life, one of his heroes that was a, a famous marathon runner was going to be racing in Nevada. And he said, you know what, I'm going to get there and I'm going to run. Now, he knew that he was up against a lot of odds. He knew that it was going to be super tough. But he said, you know what, because my hero's there, I'm going to do it. And so it took him way longer to finish because, again, he's paralyzed on one side. It talks about how his body was going numb. I can imagine him falling. I can imagine him wanting to give up. And they had closed the race because he didn't get there that fast. He had to navigate through cars. But you know what? He kept his focus, and he finished the race. He finished the race. And his hero, the one that he admired so much, comes out out of the dark because it's dark and greets him as he's coming across the finish line. And he says, you're the winner. Take my gold. How did he do it? He was focused on his goal. He had a vivid picture of where he wanted to end up, and he did it. And we can do the same by God's grace. Amen? Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you so much. We thank you so much that you're the author of our faith, of our faith. You perfect our faith. Sometimes we forget that, yes, you gave us the faith, but you know what? You're there to help us to finish it. God, thank you that you're such a reliable God, such a reliable friend that we can look to you and draw strength. Thank you that you love us. Because it's because of your focus on us is why you endured the cross. And God, we thank you. As you keep your head down and eyes closed, you could be here and there's some things that's causing you to lose your focus. There's some things that's trying to get in your way of doing your goal. Maybe Maybe you're being tempted to go into some older thinking because of pressure that you're feeling. And whatever it is, if that's you, can you raise your hand? I see you, sir. I see you, ma'am. Come on, let's stand together and let's pray. At this time, the prayer team can come forward. Let's pray. God, you saw the hands that went up. The ones, God, you, you know everything about them. God, we pray in Jesus' name that you will give them the focus, that you will give them the strength to overcome the, obst the obstacles. We pray in Jesus' name that you would anoint them, that you would push aside distractions, help them focus on you. And at this time, 
if you want prayer for anything, if you need someone to listen to you, if you need something, we have our prayer team that's going to pray with you and connect with you. So you can come at this time if you need prayer. But as we do that, let's sing, fix our eyes on Jesus as they sing the next song. think about the author of this song and writes it as well with my soul. What kind of focus did he have? The story is that the, the man who wrote this song was very well off. This is probably the late 1700s, early 1800s. He was, he was well off. Then, he, then the great Chicago fire happened. He lost everything. Lost everything. So having lost everything, he decides he's going to go back to some family in, in England and so he sends off his family because at the last minute he had to take care of some other things so he sends his family on, on a ship to go back he's going to catch up with him a month later well, the ship goes down in the mid middle of the Atlantic and he loses most of his family the story says that on his journey over to England he asked the captain of the ship to let him know when they were over the place where his wife and daughters had perished. And it was in this place as the ship came to a stop in that place in the Atlantic that he prayed and the words of the song were penned as he expressed to God these words, it is well with my soul. Think about that. In his moment of of despair he declares great words of faith <laughs> how does someone do that like Pastor LT said his focus somehow through the grief in the temporary he was able to see the joy in the eternal that's hard to do and I don't know what you're going through I, I know it's been a, a crazy week and there's fear and there's worry and there's trepidation. But can I remind you, people of God, we don't walk in fear. LT, you said it earlier. God is on the throne. And I don't say that sort of to be glib, like, oh, well, we don't have to do anything. and don't, you know, We don't have any part in, in what goes on in our nation. But I say it to remind myself that when God is on the throne and I trust in him, it's not like we're out of work. We got a job to do. We got a job to do as God's people. And let's focus on that. Focus on those who are fearing. Can you speak words of faith to them? Those who are worried, those who are sick around you, are you praying prayers of faith for their healing over them? I want to pray for you this morning. Because I believe this is a moment of faith for some of you. So church, in this holy moment, would you Bow your heads and close your eyes. I believe some of you have need of making that step of faith this morning to trust Jesus with your life. We see it's that, that moment that you get saved is the church word. Or you're born again. Why is that? Because you step into a new reality, a new paradigm, a new way of thinking and believing. 
It's not just believing that Jesus existed, but that Jesus lived the perfect life that you couldn't live, suffered in your place what was meant for you. He took upon himself, and then he died to pay the debt that you owed. But because of what he did, you have new life for everyone who believes. And everyone means anyone. No qualifications, but no reservations. If that's you this morning, all around this room, I'm going to ask, in just a second, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to point you out or embarrass you, but we're going to pray with you. We, the church, will pray with you and stand with you as you begin this journey of faith. So when I count to three, all over this room, would you raise your hand up high, and we're going to pray with you. One, two, three. I see that hand back there. Over here, I see your hand. Anybody else? Would you raise your hand up high? Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? I see you in the back. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Then all over this room, church, would you lift up your voices and repeat after me with those who raise their hands. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to live the perfect life that I could not live, to suffer in my place, and to die on the cross to pay my sin debt. But thank you that he rose again It gives me new life. I receive that new life and forgiveness today because of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Church, I'm going to pray for you, for those of you in this moment, because I think there's some of you who you, you say, yeah, I'm saved, Pastor Jeremy. I believe in Jesus. I'm a Christ follower. And yet this morning, the Spirit through Pastor LT has revealed that you've you maybe have taken your eyes off him. You focused on the temporary, the things that are going on in our world or our nation or even your own life, the things that, while meaningful and very important, are not to be your focus. When you focus on Jesus, everything else takes its rightful place. Things that are important, sure, but they're not our hope. If that's you this morning, say, Pastor Jeremy, I just need my focus recalibrated. I need to take my eyes off myself or the the things that are weighing me down, and I just need to focus on you. As I pray, would you lift your hands with me as, as we go to Jesus? Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and I admit there are so many things, Lord, in, in my own life that cause me to lose focus, that, that cause me to take my eyes off of you and worry. And then, and then I live in fear, and then I live in anger, and I live in, in despair, and, and I begin to try to make my own way instead of looking to you the way. Lord, we come to you as your people, and we ask you by your spirit to draw us again to you. Give us spiritual eyes. Give us spiritual eyes that are focused on you. And with all wisdom and discernment that we might walk through this life with, a, with a, an undaunting focus on you. And when things come our way that distract and tempt us, may your voice be ever clear to draw us back to you. 
Bless your people as we go from this place to be the salt, the light, the hope of this world. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you, church. We look forward to seeing you back tonight at Next Classes. Have a great week. Hey, we're so glad you listened in. If you made a decision to follow Christ today or would like more information, please email us at nextsteps at c2church.com or visit us at c2church.com.